Dog in My Throat, but welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for news on movie, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. Hi, uh, my name is Matt. His name's Mike. I don't know. I didn't listen to last week, so I'm sure he told everybody, but sorry. Uh, no, no, don't worry. I played up the ghost you, which is <laughs> what I would have said if Matt were here. <laughs> Speaking of frogs in throat, I have an entire colony um, and have had for about a week or so, but getting better. What is that called? Like a group of frogs? Is it called a colony? Yeah, I don't know. Um, a squad. Frog squad. I don't know. No, that's the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> So yeah, uh, d- don't mind if I, I cough or. It's called an army. Army, yes. frog army. Called the frog army. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Um, so yeah, uh, still recovery, but we'll see. Hopefully by next week I'll be uh, ready to roll. But uh, for the time being, I am uh, reporting from an undisclosed location. I've got my friend uh, Sprigatito back here uh, to help me out, but um, but still here to do a podcast remotely. So there's that. And so we'll get right into the podcast. We'll start with the music section. We start the music section with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And your number one hottest song in the land is "Last Night" by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at two, "Kill Bill" by SZA. At three, "Flowers" by Miley Cyrus. Uh, coming in at four, "Ella Baya Sola" by Esteban Armado. Cross Peso Pluma. And rounding out your top five, Calm Down by Rima and Selena Gomez. So if those sound familiar, it's because did not change from last week. Yep. As for your albums chart, your Billboard 200, at number one is One Thing at a Time by Morgan Mullen. Fun fact, or is it a fun fact? I'm not sure, but it is now tied his Seven. previous record at a record 10 weeks at number one. Um, may break that next week. Has it been 10 weeks? Yeah, it really uh, has. All right. Uh, at number two, we have minus, subtraction, dash, and hyphen by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> all of those, all, uh, all at once. Uh, coming in at three, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. At four, <laughs> SOS by SZA, and rounding out your top five, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Once yep. again, doubling up in the top five of Morgan Wallen Sandwich. That's gross. If you didn't like any of those albums, or if you want to help knock off Morgan Wallen, we have new releases, <laughs> starting with Disposable Everything by Azja. AJJ? AJJ. Azja. Uh, there's also My Soft Machine by Arlo Parks, Romantic Piano by Gia Margaret, More Photographs, A Continuum by Kevin Morby, Almost Healed by Lil Dirk. I kind of feel that. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> uh, the Girl is Crying in Her Latte by Sparks. And lastly, Where the Light Goes by Matchbox 20. Yes, yes that, that Matchbox, Matchbox 20. 
right, let's get to right. some music news and a little bit of follow-up. So last week I talked about Jimmy Allen just being dropped by everybody in the wake yeah. of his recent allegations. Well, he's back in the news again because Jimmy Allen addressed his wife, who is, unsurprisingly, divorcing him. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which he made into an Instagram post on Thursday afternoon where he publicly apologized to her for what he continues to characterize as a consensual affair and what a woman who used to be one of his manager's claims in a lawsuit was sexual assault and rape. Quote, I want to publicly apologize to my wife, Alexis, for humiliating her with my affair. I'm embarrassed that my choices have brought shame on her, that something she did not deserve at all. I also want to apologize to my children for being a poor example of a man and a father. Um, for context, or close quote, for context, Alan's wife is pregnant with their third child. He also has a child from a previous relationship. The country star does not mention or allude to the seriousness of the allegations in the lawsuit against him or in an investigation in an investigative piece published by Variety. He uses his latest statement to characterize his involvement with Jane Doe in question as temptations uh, he was not able to withstand as a victim of my weaknesses. He also contends this business put him in the position of succumbing to said weaknesses. So, a lot to unpack here. It's both, yes, I am to blame, but also, look what you made me do. Yeah, I don't love Jimmy Allen here blaming the country music industry uh, for, for choices he's made. I also don't love that he's downplaying the severity here of what's being alleged. Obviously, legally, he probably can't uh, say specifically if, if he did these things or not. It is still, you know, a case. Um, but God, this is just, I don't remember, like, the last time, I mean, you could probably think of one, that we saw somebody tumble so immediately uh, down a set of stairs after after allegations hit. Just He just is, everything is falling apart around this man. And I swear, if you turned back the tape just like last year ago, we were talking about how great and cool and funny this guy was. And then... And then he, he was just, on the My Kind of Country, and they got him yeah. for a judge, and I was like, yeah, he's on the rise. But this just completely just takes him out. And, you know, I am, you know, uh, going to say that, you know, legally we can't say either way uh, what has happened here. We're not sure ourselves. But it doesn't look great. And he is in damage control mode here, and he's not doing a good job of it is what I will say. So while his apology does sound a little bit uh, legalese, legal speak here, yeah, at least it wasn't AI generated. Oh, did, you other, did you see that other thing happen? Yeah. Um, with, uh, I think it was John Morant of the Bulls. So he's yeah. been in trouble uh, with the league uh, for yet another incident, an Instagram post or TikTok where he is flashing a gun. Yes, that was another incident. So <sighs> he put out a public policy statement. Well, someone decided to go to ChatGBT and say, can you write me a public policy statement? 
and it came out exactly almost word for word what he put. Yikes. So Yikes. I'm not saying that's what happened here. <laughs> I'm just saying uh with two like public apologies statements, one is clearly almost more well thought out than just AI generated. Not that we want to give anybody credit here on all sides of the spectrum here. Yes. But um but yeah, it's just it sucks to see someone just completely have to like you know, make up bullshit because they're like under fire. Honestly, if he was smart, Jimmy Allen just gonna, you know, he should just stay out of the limelight for a while, figure himself out, make sure that the the victims, you know, in this in this case are, you know, compensated uh, for their time and frustration. His wife is smart to get out, like to just completely rid herself of just association. It sucks that she has to deliver a child during all of this. Like God, that just like must be a disaster. Um, for yeah, it's just it sucks. It just all of this sucks. This whole story sucks. And Jimmy Allen, God, man, just get your shit together. Is what I'll say. It. Oof. I mean, it's more than what some people make it for um, affairs in terms of like apologies and stuff. Affair again. Yes. Being very light here with the yes, allegations. The quotes, the uh, affair. He merely made me with my affair. Oh, this guy. Yeah, maybe it's good that we don't hear from him, like, I don't know, ever. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll report when there's an actual conclusion. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Speaking of actual conclusions. Wow, actual conclusions decades in the making. Yes, there's been a ruling that could have vast implications in the copyright world. Yeah. Because the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on Thursday that images of prints created by Andy Warhol that were based on photos taken by Lynn Goldsmith violated her copyright. Uh, the ruling was 7-2. to two. The court rejected arguments made by the late Warhol's foundation that the work was sufficiently transformative and did not violate copyright laws. While the work was created in 1980s, Thursday's ruling arrives against the backdrop of AI, which has created vast copyright implications over what constitutes originality. Warhol freely co-opted many photographs, logos, and other forms of artwork, ranging from soapboxes to iconic photos, like soup, into mm -hmm. his work. Okay, so two kind of things happening in this story. Yes, it's like a side music story here. This is, yeah, this is only tangentially related to music, but I've included this because of, it has major implications about a, a handful of things that we talk about here on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So it, two things are happening in this story. One, yes, the AI stuff has brought this conversation back up, and for good reason. People are basically having their work completely co-opted by AI, Artists are having art reworked and being used as sort of like a library that an AI uh, bot can pick and choose from without being credited. So in that case, I think it is a good thing to reconsider uh, fair use, reconsider what it means to have a transformative piece of work based on an existing piece of work. Um, I think that's important, and I'm glad that the conversation is happening. Now, isn't it but... just transformative in order to get the copyright for it? So that's the, the the other half of this conversation, yes. which is a little bit more worrying if you care about art. 
and transfer transforming a piece of art into something else is very important for a lot of modern uh, creators now the perfect example of this is the youtube industry uh youtube videos are often based on art that they want to critique or elaborate on or talk about in ways that are transformative from the original art it's why you have a lot of, you know, back and forth between companies doing copyright takedowns, such as Nintendo, as recently as last week, taking away legitimate streams of publicly released Zelda Tears of the Kingdom footage just because they thought it was leaked. And we do know that Tears of the Kingdom was actually leaked. But in this case, YouTube creator Alana Pierce, uh, who video game people might know, um, she had a takedown from Nintendo where she was just talking over footage that was actual preview footage that Nintendo released. It had nothing to do with the leak. But because they've been so trigger-happy on, on taking down videos of the leak, they took it down as collateral damage when it shouldn't have been taken down. So, so there's another conversation to be had here, too. Like, okay, well, a lot of people make their living on transformative pieces based on art. So the danger of something like this and why it has vast could have vast... Uh, implications on the copyright world is because even though this comes from a good place of people being like, well, AI art is uh, taking away credit from uh, copyright from actual art copyright holders, it could also have the unfortunate circumstance of blurring the line of what it means for a transformative piece. And if we start saying, oh, well, Andy Warhol's works, which up until this point had been like the example of transformative art, if that's taken away, then the question of can even artists do transformative pieces of art? Does that even exist in a world where the Supreme Court makes this decision so hastily and so uniformly? Like, it's a weird, blurry line, and I'm not sure exactly where I stand on it because I would love to live in a world where you can make money on YouTube videos that are criticizing these things or make art based on other art and have it protected by parody or transformative laws. But at the same time, I don't want AI to do it. Like, so it's like, really, we have to decide if a person is doing, we have to make a line where it's like, if a person is doing this, we have to figure out what's okay and what's not. But you're right. There's the third piece of this, which is, it's about the money. And it's about the copyright. And it's about who ultimately gets paid at the end of the day. And that's also scary if you want to make a living doing, making art. So... A lot of, a lot of, it, this story touches a lot of things, and it's, it's, it's kind of worrying about where it might go. So, uh, you, have you seen the piece that they're referencing? Yeah, I did. What are your thoughts? Because <laughs> to me, this looks like a whole lot like the, um, when people were like Obamaizing um, images a lot, I mean, like the, the Hope campaign. Well, the Shepherd Fairy stuff comes from Warhol in a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Uh, taking like making an taking a photograph and making an iconic new interpretation of it. It's a lot of Warhol's work. And it makes sense to a certain extent that that is different enough that it warrants a, to be a separate piece of art. I mean, if you ask the photographer, they, she you know clearly would think otherwise. But yeah, there's a lot of moving parts here, and I don't know necessarily who's 
who's in the right here and who's in the wrong, but it's, yeah, it's complicated. And we are not a legal podcast, as you've reminded no. me several times. No. Even though I do love putting some legal stuff on here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, there's, there's been right. a version of me that would have probably uh, had gone to law school if I had infinite money, uh, yes. but I didn't. And so here we are. All right. Speaking of having to obey the law. (laughs) Oh, boy. Gag orders. They get put on people. Yeah. You know, may or may not be, allegedly, you know, people that uh, make a record also called gag order. Um, Um, So following, so it's kind of, I don't know if this is a follow-up story or kind of a culmination, but we've been talking a lot over the course of these past five years yeah yeah yeah. six years maybe um of kesha and Mm. her gag order with dr luke yes so again um that's the name of the record we're not no one is actually sure on whether or not kesha has been given an actual order to how much she can or can't say about the dr luke case all we do know on the record is is that they have been involved in a legal back and forth for the last few years with Kesha alleging uh, sexual assault and other cases of um, inappropriate behavior between Dr. Luke and her when they had a professional relationship um, working on her records. She still, to this day, even this record, is signed to Dr. Luke's label, Kimosabi Records, uh, still to this day. Um it is a, you know, obviously if there was a way that she could have gotten out of, I'm sure she would have taken advantage of that. But as long as I think that they, there is a legal entanglement, it seems like she is stuck in this deal. That being said, she has made in the last three records now um, an attempt to kind of publicize her feelings about this whole thing. She started that with her album Rainbow, which we really liked back in 20, uh, 2018. Yeah. Um, and where she, you know, made songs where she publicly, like, started talking about um, the feeling of being kind of like trapped in this legal battle and and the feeling of uh, wanting to stand, you know, in a new confident way against uh, de- uh, having deal- dealt with all of the, 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 the things she did allegedly deal with with Dr. Luke. She followed that out with uh, up with High Road, which is a little bit more poppy, a little bit more confident kind of record that I think was not as good, but I think showed her in kind of a good uh, frame of mind and dealing with the stuff in the best way. Also, you know, it gave us the single Praying, which gave us that really powerful moment at the Grammys uh, that year uh, where she brought up uh, other victims of of sexual assault onto stage and kind of had a moment together. Um, So she's made this kind of her new identity, which makes gag order an interesting pivot. Um, because gag order is both tonally and sonically a 360 turn, or I guess 180 turn, uh, from where High Road was. The confidence is gone. Uh, these songs are about the struggle. This, these songs are about the toll it's taken on Kesha's mental health. It's a dark record. It's an introspective record. And it sounds like that, too, because Ketcha uh, recruited the producer you get when you want to ha- make a s- album that sounds complicated, sparse, and harsh, uh, which, of course, is Rick Rubin. Um, you may know him uh, probably most uh, prominently from of Yeezus fame. He's the reason why Yeezus sounded the way it did. 
Um, so it was very easy to go into this and be like, oh, well, she just made her Yeezus. Well, no. I actually think she made her 808s in Heartbreak. <laughs> That's mostly what this thing sounds like. I think the Rick Rubin production has done what a Rick Rubin production usually does, which is taking kind of like the, the bare bones of these arrangements and left them and taken out a lot of the extra padding. It's a very laser-focused focused and targeted uh, sound. And... I think that that works and doesn't work, depending on the song. I think this is a very inconsistent record. It kind of ping-pongs back and forth uh, for me about whether it hits and it, whether it doesn't. There's some samey kind of sounds happening on a few of the songs. Um, and I think the best moments on this thing are when Kesha's able to be Kesha and you don't have the kind of baggage of the production. When her voice can actually be heard without filtering or noise effects when she's actually like when she's actually in a mode that she's familiar with in a more pop mode than she is in this kind of avant-garde experimental mode not to say some of the experiments don't work i think some of it's very interesting i think it's a fascinating record there's a lot to dig into especially lyrically if you want to know kind of where she's at uh, with dealing with all of this right now but also there's a lot not being said here you know the record is called gag order for a reason uh, presumably, again, we don't know for sure, but like it does seem like she's talking around a lot of stuff. She can't name names here, uh, but she gets to the, that line. It feels like she's. This is a confessional in a lot of ways. It's like all these songs are talking about. Like this is ultimately what I've struggled with, and this is as much as I can tell you. Is kind of like the vibe. Um, I think the 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 best highlight here is the uh, is a song called. Um, I believe love can love it, only love can save us now. I believe is the name of it, which is an outlier of the record because it sounds like a Kesha song. And what I mean by that is it sounds kind of like she's going into that kind of party talk rap kind of vibe that she was when she was at her commercial peak. You know your TikToks and such. Um, but then it pivots in a weird way where it also sounds like. Uh, sounds like some other stuff and then like it's it's there's like a gospel choir kind of comes in it's a fascinating song that almost sounds like and i as i tweeted yesterday her career kind of eating itself it sounds like all of kesha's music into one little microcosm and it's a fascinating like commentary in itself over of pop music and the kind of pop music that she makes it's it's a bizarre but a fun moment in a very dour depressing record um so yeah overall i don't love it i don't know how much i'm going to return to it but as a piece of art it seems like it's the thing she wanted to make and i respect her for that and if this is the the cathartic feeling she wanted to release into the world then good for her um but as a record i'm still going to return to rainbow probably more than this um but yeah as a like a check-in on where Kesh is doing it's both worrying, but I'm sure also like a very like a thing she needed to get out and something she needed to put out on paper. Yeah, I think for me, when you talked about the sounds ping-ponging back and forth between tracks is kind of where mm -hmm. I ultimately landed on it, yeah. where there's some good stuff in there. She mm -hmm. talks about a lot of both good, interesting, and dark stuff. Yeah. So it's this good amalgamation um, for what she's gone through, especially these past two three years from her previous album like you mentioned 
But you're right that the ping-ponging back and forth kind of does lose its cohesion. Doesn't lose its message, doesn't lose its thing, but in terms of it being like a full album, it does sway back and forth. But maybe that's kind of what she's going for because when you are in legal battles, they do sway back and forth. You do feel all these different emotions. There's all all these different tides that run with everything. And now I'm just getting to media or boat puns right there. <laughs> Uh, that's what we're here. That's why we're yeah, here. that's what we're here for. Uh, but no, yeah, gag order. Um, I actually listened to this one fully. But you're right. <laughs> it is something that I'm not like jumping to start again. Right. It takes. It's going to take some prep, I think, to uh, want to jump into this uh, dark zone again. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And I think it's, yeah, I think, um, yeah, maybe someday we'll be able to reappraise this once we're far, further away from the uh, from the drama of the moment. But like, yeah, as it stands today, it's interesting. But I don't know how much I actively want to spend time there. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like what was it? Uh, Miley Cyrus's record, and then even Lana Del Rey's record, where it's good. There's good elements in there, but I don't want to stay in this element. <laughs> Yeah, not a zone I want to hang out in. But but hey, uh, we're a pro-Kesha podcast here, and we're happy to, you know, when she's happy. And if that's ultimately, as the last song on the record suggests, if that's ultimately through getting this stuff out and being able to process it, then mm-hmm. if that's where she finds her happiness, then hey, all power to it. And for some artists, that's what you need to do. You need to be able to get it out of your system, out of your head, out of your mind, so you are able to move forward. It's why yeah, yeah. creators go and do passion projects a lot so they can flush it out of their system so they don't have to think about it and um, like have it nod them at night and can move forward with their next projects. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think on that note, we can move on. All right. Let's get then move right into video games. And we start with new releases, starting with After Us for PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Convergence, colon, a League of Legends story. Actual League of Legends? Yeah. Okay. For everything. Wide release. Everything gets it. Uh, there's also um, Mysma Chronicles for PS5, Xbox Mi- Series X. Miasma? Mysma? Miasma? Miasma. NPC. Planet of Lana for... Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC as your Xbox exclusive game. Uh, Puzzle Bobble. Every puzzle uh, for the Switch. Uh, Uh, Puzzle Puzzle Bobble, by the way, known in the States here as Busta Move. Busta Move, yep. Uh, But I guess this means that they're going to call them Puzzle Bobble from now on? I don't know. Saves it from a translation error, but yeah, Maybe. this was bust to move. Um, this is your, an every bubble and, popping game. Yeah, this is an everybody's golf situation here, where they're like <laughs> done using the U.S. name, and they're like, "All right, just do the Japanese name from here on yep. out." Uh, there's also Star Trek colon Resurgence for everything but the Switch. Yep. Uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand colon Bolt Gun for everything. Wide release. Everybody gets Warhammer. It'll be like a bolt gun. Uh, including Henry Cavill. <laughs> uh, there's also Railway Empire 2 for everything but the Switch. 
And lastly, the Lord of the Rings, colon, Gollum, for everything but the Switch. Why yeah. is this one not getting more fanfare? How about, why is this one like being pushed out like quietly? I'm going to say uh, one thing. The answer, Warner Brothers Games, and that should be your answer. I think okay. that it's just chaos uh, over there, and um, you know, judging by how Hogwarts Legacy got came together at the last minute, um, they're probably not too worried about this selling, uh, and so they may not just feel like maybe they just feel like they don't need to do a big marketing push on it. I don't know. So, I don't know because I've been seeing a lot. Could be seeing more worth I've seen a lot more big push for the Harry Potter. Um, was it PS4 version? Saying yeah. now everyone can play it, not just new gen. Everyone can play it now. Yeah, I don't know. It, seems, it, it does seem like they don't have as much confidence in Gollum. Like they're just kind of pushing it out the door. I guess the reviews will speak for themselves when they hit this week, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Speaking of Warner Brothers. Yeah, speaking of Warner Brothers and um, really old video games, <laughs> uh, they have announced a revival, sequel. I don't know what to call this. Reboot. Because, is it a reboot? Uh, technically, it seems like time, like timeline-wise, they are resetting the timeline again. Okay. And they say, again. Because we're talking about... Mortal Kombat. Yes. One. That's yes. right. They're not going up to like 13 or 14, wherever they're at. They were at 12. And no, this is one. 12 is yeah. one. One is 12. Yes. They went all the way around the clock. Mm-hmm. So following plenty of teasing and several leaks in recent weeks, the new entry in the long running fighting game series was officially revealed on Thursday. The debut trailer for the game, which is view. <laughs> which confirms that it will be released on September 19th of this year, uh, near like four months away. The NetherRealm developed title will be available for the PS5, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam and Epic Game Store. Uh, Warner said the game will, quote, introduce a reborn Mortal Kombat universe that has been created by the fire god Liu Kang, featuring reimagined versions of iconic characters as they've never been seen before. Its story mode promises an immersive cinematic narrative featuring unexpected twists on classic rivalries and original backstories for a wide-ranging cast of legendary fighters, including Liu Kang, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Raiden, Kung Lao, Katana, Melina, Shang Tsung, Johnny Cage, and many others. First of all, I'm disappointed that you didn't do your best Mortal Kombat announcer voice on those names. Melina, Johnny Cage. <laughs> I'm not anyway. going to go that deep. Are, are we butchered saying Mortal Kombat? <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat! Um, so, a couple things about this. Uh, first of all, yes, rebooting again. Uh, mm-hmm. Fans of the series will know that they already rebooted the timeline in 9, uh, the 360 PS3 era uh, Mortal Kombat game. Uh, and then the la- the two after that, XL, uh, yeah, t- 10 and XL. Yes, and, 10, no, 11, 10, and 12. XL was the expansion for 10 and then 11. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of played off of that universe. and uh, But in 11, they also introduced a character who could change time willy-nilly. So, 
I guess they've just completely given up on there being actual structure here, and they're just starting over again. Well, uh, you know, once you introduce time mechanics, it's mm-hmm. like, well, why can't they just go and fix everything because time mechanics? Yeah. Also, also, this does, I believe, coincide with the 30th anniversary of the World Combat series, so that's another reason why you'd want to reset. And two, I love the idea of characters in ways that you haven't seen them before. Please, please tell me that Johnny Cage is a Mr. Beast-style YouTube mogul, because that would just be, well, just perfect. Just do that. You mean he's no longer a Hollywood actor? (laughs) No, that's, I think, the modern equivalent. That's what you do with that character. I would love that. It's like he's giving up, giving away all his money, and he's like, you know, dropping himself from helicopters or whatever shit (laughs) Mr. Beast does. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. I would love that. Anyway. uh, Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, I think those modern Mortal Kombat games are a lot of fun, especially the story modes, which have been wonderful ever since 9. Give me another one of those, just with all the the power of next gen. I'm ready. I'm ready for a new Mortal Kombat. Also, fighting game fans are just eating this year. Between this and um, Street Fighter 6, I mean, like, it's like great times to right now to be a fighting game person. Great time to bring out your uh, stick and buttons. Yes, get out your sticks. Uh, right. but yeah, no, when they were doing announcing these leaks, or when these leaks were happening between last week and this week before the Thursday announcement, nobody saw Mortal Kombat one. They were thinking it was the next version of Mortal Kombat thirteen. I thought it was something mm-hmm. else because uh, didn't the guy came out or, and say it's not a sequel? So I mean that's correct. It isn't yes. really when you talk about reboot. Um, also, also. It's not Injustice, which was the question. That's about the one whether, I'm thinking of, yeah. Whether Netherrealm was going to, because back in previous years, they had gone back and forth between, okay, a Mortal Kombat this time and an Injustice game this time. Mm-hmm. But seeing as the DC universe right now is in flux with James Gunn coming, with James Gunn coming in and saying the video game has to match the movie t- uh, timeline, there's probably was a question about can we do that when this universe hasn't been necessarily established yet. We're still waiting for the new, like, era to begin, starting with the new Superman movie. And so they had to do Mortal Kombat. They're, they're all, they were almost pushed in this direction instead of having to do Injustice with the entire contact, like concept of an Injustice game up in the air. So, makes sense. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that the Justice 3 was going to be announced. But yeah, yeah no. Mortal Kombat 1, coming in yeah. September. The, the proud uh, tradition of uh, Battlefield 1 and uh, what, what other games? There's, there's another one that... Modern Warfare won. 1? No, I don't think there's been a Modern Warfare 1 yet. Well, they, was, they went back and did just Modern yeah, Warfare Modern Warfare. But yeah, it's just ba- Battlefield 1. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. So yeah, we'll see. I'm excited. We may see more in an upcoming event because next week, Sony will hold a PlayStation Showcase. (laughs) Uh, This will be a live broadcast on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, and it will feature, quote, a wealth of new games and new IPs that are headed to the PS5 and PSVR 2. Uh, the show will run a bit over an hour, focusing on PS5 and PSVR 2 games in development from top studios around the world. Ex- we expect kind of glimpses at uh, several new creations from PlayStation Studios. Uh, 
as well as spellbinding games from our third-party partners and indie creators. That was according to the release. So, yeah, this is a big one, people. Like, this is their E3 showcase, just without an E3. It is not their E3 showcase. This is the one that they were supposed to do back in September, but all their developers couldn't uh, make it in time, so they pushed it back to an unknown date. This Mm. is that date. Well, both can be true, is what I will say. Uh, It seems like people who are organizing these events are saying this is Sony's, this is Sony's summer. This is what we're getting. We're not getting something in July. This is when it's happening. Um, So it just means that this now moves up the start to the summer games shit mess. Best, etc. Um, even further to coincide up into May. with the movie summer release because <laughs> Fast X is coming out yeah. this weekend. So yeah, no, I think uh, PlayStation fans, this is the thing you've been waiting for. This is the big ex- expose of all the stuff you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when you see stuff like Wolverine and Spider-Man, Spider-Man Two, and yep. what you're going to see more stuff that we probably don't even know about. Probably uh, Armored Core. I would imagine we also see the multiplayer Horizon and the multiplayer Last of Us stuff hit here. Um, All the stuff we've been talking about kind of back and forth uh, pertaining to PlayStation, it has to be here. So, Mm -hmm. exciting. I'm sure you've marked it on your calendar and you're ready to listen at work. (laughs) I'm already in a meeting during Mm -hmm. those times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yep. I'll have to sneak this in the office. We'll see. <laughs> Although, I signed up for... I didn't tell you this uh, yet, but I, I uh, signed up for um, YouTube Premium now so I can actually listen to things while, with my screen off. Screen off. <laughs> it's going to be a lifesaver. <laughs> also, it, no ads. That wasn't really the reason. Yeah, the ads were the real reason because Christy and I have been watching so much YouTube. I was just like, I'm just going to do this because we watch so much YouTube now. I'm sick of these ads. <laughs> well, YouTube's also going to bump up to the 30 seconds um Ugh. proper for youtube tv not for um, youtube yeah i was like Ugh, gross all right anyway. well uh playstation and sony weren't the only ones announcing a conference because blizzard announced that blizzcon will indeed return to the anaheim convention center in california later this year the event will take place on november 3rd and 4th with further information, including ticketing and competition details set to be announced next month. Quote, our players are at the heart of what makes BlizzCon great, a place where games are the common ground for connection and friendship. And please, please come to BlizzCon. We apologize for everything that we've done before. Please yeah. make this a massive event so we don't look like total fools for putting this on when everyone currently hates our product Overwatch 2. <laughs> I know we underpromised and underdelivered. Yeah. We overpromised and underdelivered, but don't worry. We'll make it all better in November 3rd and 4th. Please come and see the announcement. So, yeah. This Close does, quote. Yeah, this does feel a little bit apology tour, uh, which is why you phrased it in the way that you have. There's also an opportunity to kind of course correct for them because having an in-person BlizzCon is always going to be good. Fans are going to love it because World of Warcraft happens to be a, a um, still a going concern and also happens to be a, uh, a community that likes when they can meet in person and they've been kept from doing so over the last few years. So this will still be a big deal if you're a big WoW person. Also, also, 
Blizzard is crossing their fingers that the upcoming June release of Diablo 4 is going to be a big hearts and minds thing for them. If it's as good as people seem to say it is in these betas, um, then hey, they have another critical darling on their hands and that'll save them a lot of face. I think people will be excited about Blizzard again. But as you mentioned, that's not technically the full picture as this week, um, a interview with GameSpot revealed that the Overwatch 2 uh, team has completely ditched the PvE single-player mode, that they are completely just moving all focus onto the live game and are no longer going to develop that hero shooter, like, leveling up individual characters um, single-player mode that that was originally planned to be part of the Overwatch 2 package. So this, I'm sure, as you mentioned, is also to kind of move the conversation away from uh, what isn't there uh, pertaining to Overwatch 2 and what is there, which is focusing in on honing in on that multiplayer game. Uh, so yeah, they're kind of balancing a lot of plates here, and there's a lot of questions still yet to be answered here, but uh, hopefully uh, by the time BlizzCon hits, the feeling will be better, and they'll be able to show things that they actually the fans will enjoy. Yes, but any other um, previous loot or coins that you may have gotten at previous BlizzCon events will not carry over to this current iteration of BlizzCon. Yeah, It will be um, officially transferred into a monetary value that you cannot get back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Overwatch 2. If you didn't get over Overwatch 1, it would have <laughs> been fine. You just had to get rid of it. You had to delete the servers. Yeah. All right. You had to start over. Speaking of things that had to start over, we have some thoughts. Yeah, I'll be really brief on mine. Yes, I have a copy of uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. No, I have not played enough of it to really talk about it. Uh, what I will say is I played the intro and I played like the first hour. Um, there's some cool stuff going on in that game, but I was struggling to see it on my OG original Switch screen uh, playing handheld in this prison of a bedroom. So... I will wait to tell you full thoughts uh, about Tears of the Kingdom until I'm able to play that on a television and get the most out of it. I'm so sure... you don't have the OLED version? You have the original? No, I have the OG Switch. Mm-hmm. So, not great portable. Not a great portable game is what I will say, at least for me, somebody who hasn't played a whole lot of Switch portable. Uh, but yeah, watch this space. Next week, hopefully, I'll be able to play some more once I have access to my living room again. Second thing is, uh, I did a little bit of a catch-up, and I saw it was on sale, and I also saw that there was some patches that have improved the uh, technical experience, so I did the thing that everybody told me not to do. I bought Saints Row. Yes, last year's Saints Row game. 2021 August release Saints Row? 2022, but yes. 2022, yeah. Okay. Um, Why is probably what you're thinking. One, why, two. If it was more than five dollars, you overpaid. I I did. I uh, paid twenty twenty five. Um, here's the thing: is I had read on the internet like, oh, there's a new patch out to coincide with the DLC release that fixes a lot of the technical issues. So knowing that, I was like, well, I've been wanting to play this. Also, and I should have known this looking back. I believe this was in a haze of I'm about to feel very sick that I made this decision because. Tuesday was the first day I felt uh, COVID symptoms. I had a, a a bit of a sore throat that day. 
That was the yeah. day I decided. Yeah, foggy brain as well when you bought it. Yes, I, that was the day I decided to pull the trigger on it. And Wednesday was when I get hit by the truck. Wednesday, I came home and literally on the way driving home from the office, I was just like in a daze. I was like, my head head felt like a balloon. I was just like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to lay down on that couch because I do not know what's happening to me. And that's literally all I did. I laid down on that couch. I played a lot of Saints Row. <laughs> I don't hate it, actually. It feels like a Saints Row game. Um, it seems like that the technical issues that you have had uh, when you talked about it on the podcast are largely gone. It didn't crash once. Um, I had no pop-in. I had no like weird behavior of any NPCs. Um, it seems like everything was working as intended. Um, and I think that there's some meat there. I, I like some of it. Uh, I don't get... Uh, the story's kind of boring and the characters are kind of nothings. Uh, but um, playing the moment-to-moment gameplay was actually kind of fun. I like how the guns feel. Um, I like the customization and you can do it at any time. Um, there's pieces of it where I can feel that the team making this game, I could still feel like where they were going with it. I feel like the ideas are there. I think the ex- execution is just kind of personalityless, And I think that's sucks coming off of two games bursting with personality three and four. And so yeah. one, of, one of the things that I had trouble with or not trouble with, but um, complained about was that in the moment to moment gameplay, it was felt like Run over here, shoot everyone. Run over here, shoot everyone. Run over here, shoot everyone. Yeah. Kind of the same thing, though? Yeah, I mean, it is that. Definitely. 100%. That is this game. But honestly, that's kind of the vibe I was in. And I was like, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, And so I was having fun with it. Uh, But, yeah, I I might play more of it. I don't know. We'll see when I come on the other end of this uh, sickness whether I'm going to want that kind of experience, especially with Zelda here. Um, and with uh, Jedi still to return to, I still want to play more of Jedi Survivor. Just a lot of games um, that I want to play right now that I can't play right now. Um, so yeah, maybe when I return next week, um, I'll talk about what I actually did stick with and what I didn't. But you so played I'm... a game also that I wanted to play that I can't play right now. Yeah, so I've been so I did play um, a lot more of uh, Jedi Survivor because mm-hmm. uh, I got to beat it and return it by the twenty fifth. Yeah. Um, so I've been kind of mainlining that for the most part. Um <laughs> I finally unlocked the last uh lightsaber <laughs> um stance. Oh, I heard that's the best one. It is. It's really good. It's really fun. <laughs> I'm kinda happy I, I finally got to this part. I was like, Yes, let me everything, slow down everyone now. Yeah. Everything everybody has been telling me about this game is don't do all of the open world stuff on the open world planet, just mainline the mission stuff because you're gonna want to get to the good stuff unlockables and then you can go and have fun yeah uh well that's what, what the problem was when i first started playing was here's the open world part now yeah. we're over here i want to do do the thing that i do which don't is do it look and do everything before you continue with the main mission don't do it but then you know the thing in my head said which i think Star survivor does well is that the chests are all cosmetic you don't need to go pick them up right You're really just out there for exploring mm-hmm. and the main thing is the story. You want to finish the story before you get to the open world stuff. And because I want to say because I'm on the game flight with this, so I want to finish it in a timely manner. So yeah. I need to shift my focus to that main story. Helped me a lot in enjoying the game more than I would have if I had bought it and 
doing my normal thing of, well, I have all the time to play with this, so mm. let me do all the other stuff before I get back to the main mission. Same thing I did with Horizon, which was do all the ma- other stuff before I get back to the main mission. Yeah. So I finally got the last uh, lightsaber upgrade stance. It's cool. I like it. Uh, I think the story's actually starting to pick up now. I uh, got does, a new yeah. force power. I was like, oh, they're still doing this. I'm like, I feel like I'm about a third or halfway into this game. You're now giving me a new force power? Cool. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, it's... I think that's one thing this game does good is that it never feels stagnant. The only way it's going to get stagnant is if you don't follow the main story. Mm-hmm. But even then, you're exploring and you're trying to like figure out stuff within each planet. But the bone to the beat to beat, the actual story is not stagnant. It's always moving. It's always something new. And I think that's a part of really good gameplay. So yeah, still mm-hmm. recommend Star Wars Survivor. Yeah, it's I, I want to dig back into it because I had a lot of fun with it when I played it. And lastly, new game that came out. Uh this was this is a part of PlayStation Extra for yes. download. Huge manatees. <laughs> okay. Humanity. Uh yeah. this is the um Light Shiba Inu dog that you play as as you guide lemmings of humanity to their mm. goals. Yes, my uh, my understanding of this game is it takes like the basis of the basics of like a lemmings, but then through the lens of Enhance, who of course brought us you know games like Media Boat Game of the Year uh, 2018 Tetris Effect. Yes, yes. Um, so the goal is to get your shepherd your people to the end goal but also uh currently uh pick up all the gold men who are just standing there yeah you know, run them over and be like come follow us big gold man <laughs> and uh lead them to the goal as well and that's how you 100 percent each level now you can completely ignore the gold men and just do point a to point b but the gold men actually give you the power ups of like if you have once you collect enough gold men you'll get double jump you'll get speed uh, like like uh, speed running uh, move people faster move people slower stop people it there's a lot of different um, elements in this game the more you progress and the more you get the gold men they're the key to this game uh, I'm mm-hmm. only through like the first well, I got through the prologue and then like through the first like eight levels now um, so. I like the puzzle involvement. Uh, some of these puzzles are like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I really smart. I really see what you're trying to do here. And some of them are, oh, my God, this is so easy. Like, <laughs> can't just, like, hurry up here. So yeah. it'll range. But so far, I haven't gotten, like, completely stuck on one. I do like the challenge that they provide of trying to figure out how to get everyone here. Yeah. Um, and just, like, you know, you're like a little Shiva dog, too. Just running around, jumping on everyone, and uh, possessing everyone. So it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the aesthetic of it is a bit minimalistic, but I think sure. that also plays into it because it does feel a bit like afterlifey kind of puzzling as you're shepherding these people. Uh, but yeah, humanity. It's uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like twenty dollars, twenty five dollars. Otherwise, it's uh, part of PlayStation Extra. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I want to try this. Uh, it seems like it's getting really great reviews and people are, are enjoying it. So I will definitely give this a shot once I um, hop out on the other side here. 
Yeah, I mean, and you know I have my puzzles, so this is like right <laughs> up my alley too. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for video games. Uh, the second half of the show is going to be lightning speed. If I can, yes. if uh, if I can try here, let's see. Yeah, you can try. All right. Let's move into television, and we already start the television section with the sports quarter point. Um, first up, the XFL update for this week. Your Arlington Renegades, who are four and six, beat the DC Defenders, who are nine and one. 35 to 26 to win the XFL championship. That's right. You had a team, a sub 500 team, uh-huh. a technically considered losing team, come and win the win whole thing. Your XFL championship. Yep. So there you go. I don't know if that's like the best thing that could happen because like storybook ending underdog, but hey, uh, anything can happen. And clearly, um, Arlington is better than DC. So <laughs> um, also, if you remember last week, I talked about how DC had both the Offensive Player of the Year, and the Coach of the Year. And just like college, all those awards mean squat. <laughs> yep, it sounds like it. All right, moving on to the golf world. The PGA Championship is happening at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. Currently happening. They are currently uh, golfing right now. Take a look at It is raining out there, so take a look at the quick leaderboard here. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, currently your number one. Tied with Canadian Corey Connors and Victor Hovland at minus five on the day. They will tee off in just a bit here. Uh, but this is not specific. So even though it says PGA Championship, it's not specifically PGA players. There's some live golf players here like Bryson DeChambeau and uh, Phil Mickelson, but they ain't doing so good. Yeah. Also, we don't have time to right now to get into the live golf implosion that's happening. Yes. Uh, but man. That's so funny. Uh, let's move on. Out of golf and into playoffs, uh, we have, of course, the NBA and the NHL playoffs happening right now. In the NBA, the Nuggets are up to uh, uh, versus the Lakers, and the Heat are up to versus the Celtics. Uh, yep, uh, that happened last week. Uh, Nuggets are the number one seed in the West. Meanwhile, the Heat are the number eight seed in the East. Yeah. So, yeah, looking uh, looking good for those two teams. In the NHL, in the hockey playoffs right now, the Panthers have one game against the Hurricanes in four overtime. Wow. Four overtime segments. The longest yep. hockey game. Uh, yeah, that was on Thursday night. That thing went forever. Yeah, it sounds like it. And then uh, we also have game one. Uh, or That was game one. And then we have yes. the Stars and the Golden Knights. I believe the Golden uh, Knights have one game as of last night. Yep, as of last night, Vegas leads 1-0 in that series. Yes. Both these, uh, both the NBA and the NHL will, con- um, these championships, mm-hmm. East and West championships, will conclude by the end of the month. Yep. And starting June 1st, you will have finals for the NBA and the H- NHL at the same time. Look forward to it. Anything else in sports before we move on to TV? Um, Nope, nothing All else. Right. Let's move on. First story. Uh, you, oh, lastly, uh, USFL, no undefeated teams. Oh, nope. Congratulations. Yeah. Everyone has one loss. They're all <laughs> sucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to them. Uh, also, good luck to Disney Plus as we move into our biggest story in television this week. Hey, you know that thing that HBO Max is going to do? Well, Disney said, hey, we can do it too. As Disney and has started tears to... were crying across the yes. universe as they announced this. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, well, you make your own decision based on what they're cutting. Disney is starting to pull content from streaming, with dozens of series and specials slated to leave Disney Plus and Hulu by May 26th. The titles, which are being removed from Disney's streaming services globally, 
include Disney Plus's Willow. That's recent, the recent Willow. Uh, that yeah, kind of that's the uh, we just ended this two months ago. Willow. Yeah. Big Shot, Turner and Hooch, The Which Mighty Ducks, okay. Game Changers. Uh, <laughs> just Beyond, Diary of a Future President. That's the, the big loss there. Yeah, the Mysterious Benedict Society. Turner Hooch there. again. Uh, and the world, according to Jeff Goldblum. Meanwhile, on Hulu, being removed is Why the Last Man, Dollface, The Hot Zone, Maggie, Pistol, and Little Demon. Uh, it's weird Hulu. that Why the Last Man is being released because wasn't that a like a freeform thing before it was Hulu? Yes, it was a freeform thing. All right, uh, the move, which comes with a content impairment charge of $1.5 billion to $1.8 billion, was announced during the recent Disney earnings call on May 10th. The quote, We are in the process of reviewing the content on our DTC services to align with the strategic changes in our approach to content curation. That was said by CFO Christine McCarthy. At the time, no details were provided on the content that would be removed. We now know, though. Uh, movies that will be leaving include the remake of Cheaper by the Dozen, Stargirl, Saves the World, yeah, yeah. Artemis Fowl, Black Beauty, Timmy Failure, and Pentatonics Around the World for the Holidays. Remember when Artemis Fowl was supposed to be a theatrical release? Yeah. So, so I mean, like big money for it. For that honestly, series. I don't feel a whole lot of pain with these uh, specific things that they're removing. It seems like it's mostly kind of the lower rent direct to streaming stuff that they were kind of just shutting out the door as opposed to beloved like classics. Yeah, uh, the two big ones for me are <laughs> um, Diary of Future President, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Yeah. Um, and I guess. The world according to Jeff Goldblum, because that was one of their, like, hey, like, we're not just going to leave National Geographic here. We're going to have right. Jeff Goldblum do things. That like when they uh, first uh, pitched it four years ago. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the biggest deal in the world, though. Uh, of no. course, if they get too trigger happy and start going after stuff that, that people do care about, then that's a bigger story. But we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. Speaking uh, of... No uh, Star Wars stuff here. There was some Marvel stuff that was on the bubble, like a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh Um, But they have been... um, They were saved from the chopping block. Well, there you go. All right, moving on to uh, terrestrial television. Uh, The CW. We've been talking about how CW has been going through a transformation after its purchase, and uh, we're starting to finally see the results of that. Programming chief Bad Bad Schwartz... Brad Schwartz took a gentle swipe at the network's previous business model as he revealed its new fall schedule. The former pop TV boss said that he was excited that the CW was now in the hands of Nexstar. Quote, The CW is now run by broadcasters whose only goal is to build a strong brand and cultivate emotional attachment to the largest audience possible. Broadcasting is their core business. No longer will the CW be built for the benefit of two content studios. This was at the fall schedule presentation, and of course he is referring to previous owners CBS and Warner Brothers. Some of these moves include adding F-Boy Island to its lineup after being exiled from HBO Max and airing the Critics' Choice Awards on January 14th. In lesser successful news, they also have televised Live Golf, uh, and yes. no one is watching. <laughs> Wanted to mention that. 
Well, you know, they put it on Saturday mornings. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, but CW. Yeah, uh, CW uh, clearly not going away since it's purchased from Nexstar. Uh, but yeah, well, they did get rid of a lot of the, that Berlanti stuff. Yeah. So they're going through yet again another rebranding as we uh, foresaw. Yep. All right. Do you want to talk real briefly about Big Door Prize or real briefly? Because it? what I talked about previously about this, I want to apologize because. They did not solve a single goddamn thing <laughs> on this show by the time they got to the end here. Damn. Instead, they said, but wait, there's more, and we'll leave it on the cliffhanger. So we can get a season two, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that I talked about at the beginning, where it's like, uh, you get a card. Do you follow the card? Do you conflict with the card? How does that affect you? All of that literally played out beat for beat as I talked about when I first talked about this show. And nothing about it really said come watch me again instead at the end it was we're gonna keep this a mystery because we really don't know how the thing is gonna end so instead of trying to end it we're going to say but wait there's more transformations happening now because so yeah um i'm kind of done with it yeah I, i i do not want to see a season two i think it got picked up for a season two but i do not want to see a season two <laughs> All right, fair enough. That's a perfect segue into cancellations and renewals. What is and isn't seeing a season two? Well, Alaska Daily ain't. ABC has canceled it after just one season. Meanwhile, they've also canceled Big Sky after two seasons. The company you keep also canceled after just one season. <laughs> so, so much for the ABC slate. Yeah, a lot of this, I want to say all this has to do with the writer's strike, but then again, it's also the yeah. end of sweeps, so they got to make room for upcoming fall shows. Yeah. Meanwhile, FXX has confirmed that the 14th season of Archer will be its last. This upcoming fourth season, that doesn't mean that it will end here. Maybe it goes to Hulu, like so many other shows. Maybe. But Who yeah, the, the 14th season will be its finale. <laughs> Meanwhile, again, Fox again, apparently... Again. Yeah. Meanwhile, Fox really likes that Farmer Wants a Wife show as it's Farmer Wants back. a Wife. <laughs> it's coming back for a second season. <laughs> the new Farmer, I guess. And new uh, this past week, they finally uh, picked their wives. <laughs> so uh, <stupid>. And <laughs> yeah, it was as ridiculous farmer. as you could think. <laughs> they should. They were too late to have this do uh, do a, um, um, a marketing push with FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> I mean, okay. I bet that's where the idea came from. Yeah, maybe. Meanwhile, Fox is bringing back The Great North for a fourth season and The Mass Singer for a seventh season. Also, Special Forces colon World's Toughest Test for a second season. That's and the hey, uh, celebrity one. And hey, in, in, uh, the, in the Department of Zombie Shows, Back from the Dead is Kitchen Nightmares, who's coming back for an eighth season back from 2011. Yeah, over a decade later, they're sending Gordon Ramsay back out <laughs> to even more nightmares of a kitchen. Makes sense. It's a concept that still works, and sure, why not? It's also a concept that says, hey, Gordon Ramsay, please produce more content for us, more yeah. unscripted content. Right, we need it right now. Next up, Outlast is the second season on Netflix. I think that's the Alaska competition show that I talked about. So, yeah. yay, more villains. There you go. 
The Kardashians will get a fourth season of its current incarnation on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Physical, its third season will be its last on Apple TV+. Netflix is renewing Virgin River for a sixth season. Netflix has also confirmed that Ginny and Georgia will get a third and a fourth season. Next up, ABC is renewed Not Dead Yet for a second season. I don't see it, but whatever. <laughs> Hell of a week with Charlemagne the, Charlemagne the God canceled after just one season on Comedy Central. Tuning out the news canceled after two seasons on Com- Comedy Central. All right, now for the big block of ABC renewal stuff that ABC is bringing back. All yeah. the stuff you think they're bringing back, they're bringing back. America's Funniest Home Videos, American Idol, The Bachelor, The Bachelor in Paradise, Celebrity Jeopardy, Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, The Connors, and Shark Tank. All eight of staples that they've put on on a weekly basis. Makes also, sense. look at how most of those are one-hour block shows. Yes, and unscripted. Yes. For the most part. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. All right. Handful of deaths this week. First up, John Rafoa, age 58. Editor, worked on Avatar, Southpaw, and Olympus Has Fallen. We also have Doyle Brunson, age 89. Hall of Fame poker player, World Series of Poker champion back in 1976 and 1977. He was, at the time, and for a long time, the face and the cowboy hat of poker that if you ever saw him in a poker uh casino always had the, the his white cowboy hat on yeah um i kind of want to say the inspiration for uh doug dimadome <laughs> maybe but uh yeah uh doyle brunson um famous 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 poker player yeah you also have marlene haig age 89 hall of fame golfer and co-founder of the lpga and lastly, we have Jim Brown, age 87, Hall of Fame football player for the Cleveland Browns, and actor. He was in The Dirty Dozen and Mars Attacks. He was The Express. So if you want to watch um, The Express, that is that Jim Brown. And yes, Jim Brown of the Browns, famous running back <laughs> of the Browns. Everyone's trying to find themselves a Jim Brown in the draft. Hey, we all are. All right, let's move on to the last section here. Uh the movie section, and we always start with weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie, of course, is still this week, $62 million, Guardians of the Galaxy Part th- or Volume 3, that is sitting at $214 million, uh domestic. Number two. Uh, that was a 40% drop, one of the lowest Marvel scene in recent time. Not bad. The Super Mario Brothers movie is your number two movie this week, still sitting around $12 million. That's at 535 domestic. It is now also available as of this week for digital uh, digital purchase. It yep. is a rental and a purchase, although the rental and the purchase difference between price is only $5. <laughs> so choose as you will. Uh, I'm going to hopefully uh, check this out tonight if I test negative and can go into the living room. Yep. All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, we have number three, Book Club, the next chapter, with, another, with a $6.6 million debut. That's counter-programming at its finest, folks. Yes. Number four, Evil Dead Rise with another seven, $3.7 million. That's at $60 million domestic. And rounding out your top five, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, with $3.7 million as well. And that's sitting at a measly $16 million. I don't think that did the numbers that they wanted it to. No, it did not. Oh, well. Upcoming this week, though, everything. Move out of the way. Oh, wait, no. That was last <laughs> week. That's this currently out right now. Yeah, past, past 10, 
out. You can see it if you want. But next week, we have three films. First up, You Hurt My Feelings. Oh. Then we have uh, The yeah, Machine. Yeah, that's the uh, comedy drama with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Right. Then we have The Machine. Uh, that's based off that comedy, uh, The Comedian, who said that he was the machine in Russia and oh. got to all sorts of uh, antics. I see. And then uh, lastly, lastly, the thing that people actually care about, supposedly, uh, get ready for all the realistic fish faces as The Little Mermaid. The live-action remake is in theaters. Yep, that is next week for the Memorial Day weekend. Yep, get ready uh, for... Bert Kreischer. That's the guy, that's the comedian's name, Bert Kreischer. Ah, I see. All right, move on to our stories this week. We start with a kind of crossover television and movie story. Um, an update on SAG-AFTRA. So... Sure. Coming in right in line after the writer's strike, now the actors are considering a strike. They announced Wednesday that it will hold a strike authorization vote as it seeks to get its ducks in a row ahead of June 7th negotiations with the major studios. The vote does not mean that the Performance Union will necessarily join the Writers Guild of America on the picket lines after its contract expires on June 30th. In a press release, the union said its negotiating committee decided that a strike authorization would provide maximum bargaining leverage for the talks. In 2017, the Performers Union threatened to call a strike authorization vote as talks got close to the deadline. At the time, the union said that the AMPTP was seeking outrageous rollbacks. The two sides ultimately reached a deal without the Guild having to call the vote. SAG-AFTRA is looking at some of the issues that have been important to writers, including wage increases to address inflation, a higher streaming residual, and protections against artificial intelligence. The union is also looking to address the move to self-tape editions, which many performers find costly and burdensome. This also comes after last week, where I mentioned that the Directors Guild of America had voted to authorize a strike when their contract also ends and expires. Um, they are going also into negotiations on June 1st. So not only do studios have the WGA to deal with, they're going to have the DGA to deal with <laughs> and SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. It's it's gonna get really difficult to make stuff if all these things, all these pieces come into place. So um, eyes are on the studios and see what they do here. We will see. Yep. All right, let's move on to our second story here, which is about Cannes. Yes, the film festival. Jonathan Glazer yes, um, just still it's going on right now. Um, mm -hmm. This weekend it just started. Uh, you might have seen that. Uh, what was it? Harrison Ford got a five-minute standing ovation yes. because it premiered uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm -hmm. But as we all know, that's not what we're really here for. Uh, we're here to find the next good Oscar bait. Yeah. And uh, we might have an idea of what some of those might be. So Jonathan Glazer delivered the first instant sensation of the 2023 film festival, The Zone of Interest, only the director's fourth feature film after Sexy Beast, Birth and Under the Skin. Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast. Earning a six-minute standing ovation following its world premiere. Glazer's film is austere and challenging as it tells the story of the commandant of Auschwitz and his wife, who have created their dream home directly next to the concentration camp. The constant screams of prisoners, gunshots, and smoke from the gas chambers haunt their paradise, but their indifference to such horrors creates a terrifying and sinister juxtaposition. 
A24, of course, is behind the zone of interest and is expected to release the film later this year. That sounds depressing as shit, but Wait, I'm sure so critics will eat it up. This is a cam film uh-huh. by A24 uh-huh. about World War II and uh-huh. Auschwitz. Uh-huh. Do I have enough check boxes for the Oscars here? I think you do. Uh, I think but you yeah. do. If you, I mean, it does sound super depressing, but also terrifying at the same yeah. time. Uh, congrats, Jonathan Glazer, on your six-minute ovation. We'll yeah. see how that translates into one year later for Oscar Gold. There you go. All but right. I expect that uh, to be released later this year by A24. And that'll do it. Uh, two minutes over. I almost did it. It's, it's fine. I yeah, almost we're did it. Ran fast in those last two categories there. <laughs> I tried. All right. Well, thank you uh, for joining us. That was a Media Boat podcast. Hopefully, we'll be back next week in full recovered form, but uh, we'll see. Yep. <laughs> we'll see how we feel. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to listen to more of us, you can find us at MediaBoatPodcast.com. Uh, you can catch uh, live streams when we go live at YouTube at MediaBoat Podcast. If you just want to listen to us and not see our ugly faces, you can find us on Spotify, hey. Google Play, hey. Apple Pay, Podcast, Podcast, hey, Amazon, yeah. anywhere you get your podcasting feed. Uh, we are still on Twitter, Unverified, at MediaBoatCast. We're on Facebook, MediaBoat Podcast. If you want to ask us a question, tell us what we did wrong. Uh, want to be on the show? Email us at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to see us play some video games, I streamed some uh, Star Wars Last Jedi earlier this week. Uh, I probably should also stream some Humanity early or later, as well as get more into that. You can find us at twitch.tv slash mediaboat. It's true. And I think I got everything there. I think that's everything. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode. So stay tuned and, uh, I don't know, stay healthy. We'll be back with more news, more thoughts, and more of us, hopefully in person. (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. All right. Bye. Bye.